How are we doing, mates? Welcome back. The Top Step Podcast is back and we have some amazing guests joining us. The first one, I'm not going to spend too much time. I want to get straight to it, is three-time Cy Young Award winner, one of the best in the game, Mr. Max Scherzer, joining me for such a good chat. We talk about everything. He talked about the 2020 season, uh, playing in front of no fans, talked about the World Series last year. We talked about the Players Union, his involvement with that. Now, what he would tell a 16-year-old, man, we covered it all. Um, it, it, it was rock solid, man. One of my favorite chats I've had uh, against such a, a, a future Hall of Famer, in my opinion. So much fun. Before we get to that, make sure you go to www.thetopstep.com, right? Check out past episodes. You can click subscribe. You can find where you can listen to this, whether it be Spotify, Google, Apple, all the, all the big ones. Um, and there's other, there's other ones as well. I, I, I can't rattle them all, all off. Or if you're watching this, make sure you click, click subscribe. I'm going to have this up on YouTube as well, um, this episode. So a lot of fun. One other announcement real quick. If you go to uh, Instagram.com slash hyphen 18, you can check out. I've got a new thing happening. It's called uh, Morning Fuel. Basically, all the little things that are rattling around in my head when I go get my coffee in the morning, I put it out into, uh, into an Instagram post. Uh, and the feedback's been great. Um, you know, I've gotten some great uh, messages about that. Hey, can you talk about this topic or that topic? And I'm going to get to them, I promise. But it's a lot of fun. Make sure you get over and check it out. Uh, and, all, and everyone who's emailed me, um, people that want me to interview, I'm, I will get to it. I promise you, I will try and get to uh, some of the people, the guests you want me to interview. And uh, there's so many people. I mean, I've got, I've got a really good lineup coming up. Um, coming up for, again, I'm going to call this season two. Why not? But again, the Top Step Podcast is back. Max Scherz is kicking it off with us. Enjoy this episode as Max Scherz joins me the Top Step. No matter what happens, Ryan Roland Smith has something to tell his grandkids right here. First appearance of the big leagues. <laughs> He's a Hall, Hall of Famer. Famer. <laughs> Especially if he strikes them out. Here comes the one-two pitch to Junior now. The breaking ball. He struck him out. Yeah, that will be a story for the rest of his life. <laughs> as he strikes out Ken Griffey Jr. And the inning is over. You'll never say that I'm not killing them. Kill, kill, killing them. Killing them. Kill, kill, killing them. All right, Max. Welcome, buddy. Hey, thanks for having me on. Of course, man. I, I appreciate you, you taking the time. I know you just got off. A crazy season, 2020. Was that? I'm going to ask you this, man. Right off the bat, you come off 2019. You guys obviously win the World Series, just amazing. Then you then you slide into you go into spring training, and obviously a shortened off season for you, I guess, right? Because you, you you're doing everything as far as you know the World Series and everything that comes after that. Then you go into this COVID. Then you got this 60 game season with no fans. Was it like literally the the most the biggest contrast you've ever had? Uh, yeah, it better be. <laughs> They're pitching the game seven of the World Series, and then your next start is uh, with no one in the stands. So, yeah, I don't think you can possibly get any more uh, any more crazy or less crazy than that. So, um, yeah, it was an interesting year uh, to get through it, but I'm glad we got through it. Yeah, did you did you notice the no fans in the seats? Oh yeah, you definitely noticed it. Um, I mean, just the atmosphere is, you know, just not quite the same. Uh, but the competitiveness of the games are still the same. So it's this, this weird, weird thing that, you know, when you're standing on the mound, you can definitely feel that, I mean, the hitters and everybody's locked into the game. Um, but, like, when there's outs or big plays made, like, there's just no roar of the crowd. Uh, yeah. 
<laughs> you, you definitely tell that's missing. Um, to me, I think one, one of the things the, the thing that I, I kind of almost struggled with the most was uh, uh, not being allowed to be in the dugouts uh, during a game when I wasn't when I wasn't pitching. Uh, be a, you know just I, I didn't realize how much I'm just accustomed to being and watching a game and, and just being around everybody, yeah. uh, just talking baseball and just talking everything. Um, during the games, during dugouts. So that was actually really weird for me to not be in the dugouts on uh, the games I wasn't pitching. Do you get, like, in between starts, and obviously you're at, you're on another level than, than most big leaguers there is, especially me. When In between the starts, did you, like, let's say coming off, let's say coming off a really good start, we just dominate. Are you, like, are those four, four days in between, do they take forever for you to get back and pitch? Or are you just, are you, are you pretty comfortable now with your routine and everything else, the days in between? Or are you just like, man, I just need to get freaking back out and pitch? Um, it's kind of, uh, I'd say, you know, you live kind of start by start. So you understand, you know, what you did well and what you didn't do well, uh, regardless of the results, whether you pitched well or you pitched and you didn't pitch well. Uh, just trying to understand where you want all your pitches uh, to be at. Where, you know, are they, are they breaking the way you want them to break? Are you locating the way you want to locate? Uh, and if you, you know, if you can answer those questions, and that's kind of what you're going to kind of focus on uh, in between in, in those four days. Uh, but mostly, it's about recovering. Um, you know, doing the work that you need to do to be able to, um, you know, get back out there and be as strong as possible every single time uh, I take the ball. So I just I look at it as trying to post every five days uh, and try to go as deep as I can every five days uh, and throw as many pitches as I can so that. Uh, if you're able to do that and, and be consistent, uh, the results will take care of themselves. Do you feel like you had everything, like in 2020, do you feel like, you know, obviously everything was like, you know, distant and everything else. Did you feel like you had everything you needed in 2020, the same as what you had in 2019? Um, I mean, no, you don't, but no one did. Yeah. So everybody was on the same playing field. Right. So you get, you kind of like, that's, I think that's the kind of, uh, you know, one of the things I think we all kind of wrestled with was that, yeah, there, there's you have you have every excuse in the book that you can make right. to say you know here in 2020 we don't have what we have in 2019. You can sit yeah. there and look at it and say, okay, that's a negative, and, and you you kind of talk yourself into a hole, or you got to look at it and say, look, everybody's on the same playing field. Like you got to find a way to overcome this. You have a challenge in front of you. How are you going to overcome it? Because everybody's in the same boat. So that's that was the, my approach to how I wanted to pitch in 2020 and try to go out there and and, and you know try to be the best I can, no matter what circumstance it was going to be, there was always going to be a challenge. It was going to be yeah. a challenge for everybody. So just keep that smile on your face and, and approach it. It's interesting, man, because like I, when they were about to kick off the this, this 60 game season, I was, I was thinking about that. I was like, if I'm, and I'll put myself you know, in those shoes. Like if I'm a young player and, and you know, things don't go well or something like that, you can always kind of like have that inbuilt excuse. Oh, well, you know, there's no one in the seat, so I couldn't get my adrenaline up or, or we didn't have this or didn't have that. Little things that I, I feel like, and obviously this is probably what separates you as well, that answer right there is because I've been around so many guys that if, let's say they have that one or two starts in a row, they start to find what is wrong besides what they're doing. You know what I'm saying? Or what, what isn't in place around them. Do you, you ever feel like that? Like, do you ever feel like you play with guys like that? You're just like, man, you are just, it's just not going to happen for you. Well, I think we all find, I mean, there's even times where, I mean, you, you, you reflect upon yourself of how many times you, you, you're not taking you know, accountability over, you know, some certain things that are going on in your life. Um, and we all, we all are guilty of that. It's a matter of 
can you identify them and make the right choices going forward? And so, um, and baseball is the best sport. <laughs> when you play, you know, all these games right, right back to back to back to back, um, you know, you're going to have ups and downs. And so you're constantly searching for yourself of why you're having failure. Uh, and sometimes I can, you know, keep you up late at night of, of you yeah. know, making you think about all the different things uh, that you, you, know, you want to try to accomplish. And so, um, you know, it's trying to keep a good head on your shoulders where you're having success or failure. You're never quite as good as you think you are, and you're never as bad as you think you are. So you can kind of, you know, resonate in that kind of middle zone uh, and keep your guard up and, and always be ready for the game to adjust to you. Yeah. Uh, that's, that's typically how I look at, you know, trying to have a good mindset of approaching things. Yeah, it's, it's funny. I mean, I, I was basically weaseling around that question, having my guard up, because there were so many times I'm like, I'm looking to blame. Oh, the pitching coach is, having, is tinkering this or tinkering that or whatever it may be. But it always comes down to now that I'm done playing, there's a lot of regrets I have in my career. And fuck, man, if I just figured this out, I figured that out. And it always comes down to like, why was I so caught up in blaming that or using that as like a, as an excuse when I know the answer, I know what it is, why, you know, why that didn't work out for me. Speaking of that, man, I, I got a question for you. Now, obviously the off season's kicked off. Oh, the playoffs are still going on. Are you watching the playoffs at all? Yeah, there's times I, I, I wouldn't say I watch every single game, but um, I try to tune in and, and watch, um, you know, some, some of these games to see how uh, these teams are playing. Yeah. Uh, and really try to get a grasp of what, you know, what the, you know, especially if I face them, like, how are the other teams attacking them? You know, how, what are they doing? You know, who, who's getting off? Like, how are they getting their swings off? Um, you know, just, you know, what does baseball look like at its best? Uh, you know, when you start getting into the, you know, the final four here, yeah. uh, that's when, you know, everything gets turned up even more. Uh, and you really start seeing some really good game plays. Because uh, everybody's, you know, kind of on pins and needles with every single pitch. So, uh, I, I like playing baseball that way. It's fun. So you want to watch other teams who do it um, because, you know, hopefully uh, we have a shot to, you know, hopefully having our shot to be able to be in that situation. Uh, and you just want to make sure that you're at your best when you do. Is it tough to watch these playoffs because they're different to any other year with no fans and, you know, yeah, it's, the, it's, it, and everything? It, 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 it's true. It, it, to me, it, it's mind boggling that there's not fans. Um, yeah. You know, I, I just think there's ways to engineer it that you can have fans in. We've seen it with the NFL and college football where they can have fans in. Right. You know, when we're talking about baseball, you can have an outdoor stadium. Uh, I mean, that that's exactly what the science says of how to cut down transmissions to be outside. So, yeah. uh, you know, I, I will always believe that we can find a way to have fans in the game. Uh, but as for watching it, uh, you know, yeah, that kind of takes away from the atmosphere. But I'm I'm watching exactly the, the matchups. You know what's going on between the yeah. pitchers and hitters, and you know how they're following pitches off, and uh, you know when they're getting aggressive, and just watching the gameplay unfold. So for me, that's exciting. Yeah, and, and speaking of that, I was watching the game the other day, and there was I'm not going to name names here, but there was a pitcher who I know I played with years back. Like I I came across him in the minor leagues, and so I know this dude. And he's out there. He just looked completely uncomfortable, like and completely overwhelmed. I think it was his, it's his first time playing in the playoffs as well. And I could just see it, man. Like I could see just the the, the his tempo start to speed up and, and everything, everything sort of slip away from him. So and you in your position, obviously you're one of the best in the game. Do you watch even on your own team or some of these young players? And can you just see it from a mile away when you start to see that unravel? Um. You know, kind of have, being in, the, in these playoff games, and you know, I, I go back to my first playoff start. Here it was in Yankee Stadium. Okay, so <laughs> we're going to be in Yankee Stadium, and uh, you know, people were like, "Hey, you know, make sure you go out there and you, you, know, 
slow, you know, slow the game down. You don't want the speed up on you and, th and this and that. Um, and, you know, I really remember consciously like, all right, slow the game down, be calm, be out there. And in the first inning, I went out there very, you know, under control. And I walked a bunch of guys and uh, I didn't give them any runs, but, you know, you know, probably 30 pitches in that first inning, walking guys, you know, and I just didn't feel like myself. Like, yeah. that's not me. Like, I, I don't go out there and go out there with this, you know, kind of, I don't want to say lackadaisical, but just a, you know, very try to keep everything calm. That's not me. <laughs> I, that's not how I pitch. Yeah. I pitch with adrenaline. I pitch with high intensity. And I need to go out there. And, I, and you can't let the playoff atmosphere change who you are. Right. So if you are a high intensity pitcher, go out there with the same adrenaline and, gotcha. and pick off the game in the moment. If you're very relaxed and you you got the ice bars in your veins, that's how you pitch. And I know plenty of guys who can pitch like that. So I think it's you know, when you talk about you know watching your your friends and buddies, it's just watch them in these big moments and just watching them be you know just be yourself, just be yeah. who you are. Yeah. It's a sixty feet six inches. You still got to attack even though everything's on the line. Um, you know, try to match match the atmosphere the best way you know how to match it. Don't let somebody else dictate it to you. Just do it the way you know how to do it. It's so it's easier said than done, though, man. Like you, there must have been times when you've had coaches or, or you know veteran players around you, and, and you're trying to be the way you are, or you've done something in Double A and Triple A where you're just like, man, this feels right. And like you know, with you, you're high intensity. You're talking to yourself. You're you're, you're emotional. You're animated. And then you got some coach because you're a young player, and so they have that that seniority over you to basically say, no, no, no. Here at the big leagues, this is how we do it. And all of a sudden you have to, there had to be times in your career where, especially early on, where you're trying to be calm, where you're trying to be something different. And you just know deep down, you're like, this is just not me. But you kind of have to, in a sense, right? You kind of have to act that way because you want to be coachable, right? I think there's a way to show respect, uh, yeah. definitely. Uh, and be able to take, uh, you know, people that have been before you and understand what they, um, you know, you know th their experiences and try to take from them. Uh, and then that's how you make your own experiences. Yeah. And so it's really trying to understand what, what uh, veterans are trying to say and understand the respect factor to it. Uh, and keep a smile on your face. Tell, you know, understand what, they, what they're trying to say and, and know that, you know, no, no one person has all the right answers. <laughs> no, no one does. We're all human. We all make mistakes. It's trying to understand, you know, what, what, what best works for me and, and really try to take pages out of other people's books and apply it to your own. And when you can find that, you know, certain little tidbits out of other people's games, yeah. you know, bring it into what you can do and then make yourself a better player because of it. So the thing, I think that, you know, kind of the phrasing here is to make sure that you're always adding to what you can do, you know, be yourself, but keep getting better at being yourself. Did you ever have like teammates, like especially older teammates or, um, you know, coaches who on the flip side of that say, no, no, dude, just, just be yourself and just be crazy. Be, be emotional. Wear your heart on your sleeve or, you know, show whatever it may be. Where all these little things, because I feel like there's, it's, it's a constant with me, man. Like, I used to try and get fired up. Yeah, I don't know if you ever came across Grant Balfour, but he was like, oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, he was like, he was like a mentor to me. He's like, yeah, fuck that, dude. Like, just mm -hmm. be yourself. Just, just be animated. And it just put me in such a, a comfortable position. Did you ever have anyone like that early on? Um, I mean, just going through, I mean, I think everybody does. Everybody has, you know, different guys that you look to uh, yeah. where uh, for me, I, I, I've been very fortunate. I've been pitching with really good pitchers my whole career. You know, when I came into Arizona with, you know, Brandon Webb, Dan Heron and Randy Johnson, uh, yeah. Detroit with Verlander, Borsello and uh, Sanchez uh, and the guys that we had there um, to even now here when I signed with DC and DC with uh, Strasburg and Zimmerman, um, 
you know, we've had really good uh, pitchers come through. I, I've gotten a pitch with a lot of uh, great pitchers. and, and see, Yeah, I know. I'm so he just mentioned that. I was like, Damn. And it becomes contagious. You know, like one, one guy does well, then the next guy does well. And so you can really study, you know, what the, the top of the game is doing, and you have it right in front of your face. So it makes it really easy to see what these guys are, you know, really good at. Um, and so for me, uh, it's just trying to take little pieces out of everybody's game and just add it and, and just see, you know, what makes everything great. And yeah. there, there are, yeah, there, there, I think some of the coaches, uh, you know, I, I think it comes into more how you practice and how you train and how you lift. Um, you know, for me, uh, you know, that, that, that's where, that's where uh, you can really get after it. And the more you get after it off the field um, and what you, you know, how you work out, I feel like that, then that just naturally translates to the game. I mean, you're not going to go into the weight room and just be, you know, very relaxed, very calm. And then right. you know, just think that's going to just naturally make you crazy on the mound. No, you, you want to be, you know, if you get after it in the weight room, then you can't help it just get after it on the mound. Yeah, yeah. I remember um, we're playing against the Blue Jays. I always looked up to Roy Halladay, you know, even though, I mean, very, probably different demeanor or whatever it may be. Because I played with certain guys like, you know, Cliff Lee got traded over from the, um, the Phillies to us. And the coaches were constantly, and him and I are completely different personalities. He's a great dude. And he's, mm -hmm. he's friggin', he's filthy, man. Like, but he's nasty. He, he's, his whole thing was, the, the, the coaching staff was always like, hey, I want you to hang out with him and, and, you know, pick his brain. And naturally, yeah, of course I should, right? But with Cliff, it was like, hey, man, like, you know, when you're in this situation or that situation, he's like, dude, just throw strikes. You'll be fine. Like, that was his answer to everything. Like, you get ahead of the count, you're good. So I did, that doesn't help me. And like, like there was, there was one time, well, I was in I was in New York and I would get super nervous. Like just I couldn't eat breakfast or anything. Like I was just freaking out. He's like, You're okay. I was like, Yeah man, I'm just nervous. You know, and he goes, Why? You know, it was just it was so different. He just processed things completely different to me. But I remember Roy Halliday, it's funny you said that about what you do off the field. Like Roy Halliday, I remember I walk into the weight room, I'm like, Oh shit, there's Roy Halliday. I'm like, look, I'm trying to just, you know, sort of stalk him a little bit. Cause I looked up to him and he's got he's got the entire workout structured down to the you know down to the, the the rep and all this kind of stuff and walking around that and getting after it but it's so funny then you watch him pitch and you're right like that same demeanor he's taken you know in the weight room or what he's doing off the field he's basically doing on the field you know what i mean like it, it was just it was fun to watch man it, it, it was and it was different it was really different you know yeah those two guys were man those were those guys were fun to watch yeah. uh, especially when uh, being a younger guy in the game and watching Cliff Lee, you know, I, I always felt like he was just an assassin on the mound. Like he, oh, he was ready to execute any pitch, locate it. And like you, he, he wasn't throwing hard, but he's just absolutely going to throw strikes. It, he, he fears no one and just comes after you. I, so I, I was always a huge fan of the way he attacked. And, and I think the same can be said about Roy as well, um, just how hard he worked and the way he attacked as well. So, um, you know, the DNA between those two guys, uh, bottle that up and, and ship it out. I know, man. I was like, I could never be like that. Like, like I never forget, he pitched the game, went like nine shutout, Cliff Lee. And I had my sister in town and her husband. And, and they, were back, they were getting on the, on the family bus to go back to, to the, the hotel. We're on the, I can't remember. I think we're in, I think we're in New York again. And um, you know, he goes nine shutout, whatever. And there's all this trade talk going on. He picks up his iPad. He's playing some kid's game. He's trying to beat like his son's score on the iPad or something like that. And my brother-in-law was like, 
like he's expecting him to throw nine shut out and just be like, you know, like a celebrating and like, fr- like, you know, freaking out. He's just like, yeah, whatever. Like if that was me, dude, I'll be, <laughs> I'm just like, man, I can't, I can't sleep that night. Cause I'm just freaking out. It was so funny. He's just sitting there and, and he's like, damn it. And, and my brother-in-law is just watching him going, like literally three three seats down from him just got like mad because he can't beat his son score on the ipad like it was nothing like the game was just nothing you know it was crazy yeah you, yeah, yeah, yeah yeah i mean it, it kind of watching him pitch i kind of i mean it syncs up i mean that just shows you we all have different personalities and the way we the way we tick the way we think um you know, and I, I think that's the thing you, you can learn from everybody. I mean, here you are, you had shot the pitch, you know, pitch of Cliff, and you can just see how he's just pitching on a different level and just his mindset about it and how that simplicity just applied to his game. Yeah. I mean, I'd pull my hair out. Did you, does it ever get old for you just going, like, dominating? When you when you throw a game, like, seven, eight, nine innings, just punching out everyone, are you still, like, is the adrenaline still up when you go back to the hotel, wherever you go? Are you still sort of, like, are still on you know your heightened senses or are you just like ah this is normal for me now no it, it, winning, winning is always fun i mean you you win that's a, such an adrenaline rush uh because it's not easy uh this, you know this is the big leagues i mean everybody's gearing out to get you and, and the way everybody prepares so much harder now uh you know and the game is just continuing to evolve and you got you know things that worked a couple of years ago don't work anymore uh i just feel they're just that the game has continued to evolve to be able to you know, take your strengths away. And so every little mistake, I feel like now just gets punished. And so uh, when you go out there, I mean, it t- takes a tremendous amount of work, uh, you know, to be able to go out there and pitch well. So yeah. it's just as much of a challenge as, it, as it's always been. And that's the good part about it. Uh, I, I enjoy the challenge and, and the work that you have to put into it. Do you, do you get pretty stuck into the analytics of baseball like and and obviously you know there's different levels of it but do you rely heavily on you know whether it be whether you get a rap solo out in a bullpen session or you know you get the track man numbers back on what your balls what the how your ball's behaving do you get like do you dive into that pretty heavily or are you just like ah oh, no I just it feels this feels fine I'm gonna st- I'm gonna stick with this um, I would say I'd lead with feel first. You got to have feel for everything and you got to be able to use your eyes on just playing catch and, you know, just coming out of the game, just have a feel for what you see and what you're, what you're doing. And so um, I don't think anything can ever replace that because if you solely rely on you know, just call it the, the analytics and, yeah. and um, you know, you, you know, you're, you're going to lose feel because you're just now relying on the computer screen to tell you exactly how to throw pitches. Um, I, I think it's more to that. I don't feel like the analytics are just the end-all, be-all, you know, this is the equation, plug in X, Y, Z, and then you got your answer. Right. Um, now, with that being said, the analytics, I mean, they're, they're very fascinating, very interesting, and it's a different way to look at baseball than, than we were looking at it, you know, six, seven years ago. Uh, and so as you, as you grasp onto what, uh, you know, the concepts that are being discussed, uh, they're fascinating. And how can you, how can you take that and, and, and you know, implement to your game. What, what are, what's being said, what's being thought about in kind of a new way that uh, you should be critiquing yourself to see if you can execute anything that, that's being discussed. And so, um, you know, I, I feel like I'm pretty well versed in it, but I feel like I'm still learning stuff about, uh, you know, some of these, you know, spin rates and all these things about baseball to make sure that uh, there's no stone left unturned, that I, I have a pretty good understanding of what uh, the young kids are really, really focusing on so that, uh, throughout all my experiences of 
uh, of success and failure that I, I have this level of feel to be able to execute pitches with. You know, it's funny. You have this, you, know, you go on Twitter or <laughs> Instagram, you've got this older generation and this newer generation, a lot of the newer generation, and I'll say this, a lot of them have never played, like they've never played in the big league. So you've got all these, these guys who are retired um, and it's, it's starting to get like polarizing where this, the older generation's like, oh, you got, you know, your propeller heads don't know what you're talking about and, and you've never played in that situation. You don't know more than me. It's, it's this kind of this constant battle you see on, especially on social media or even some of these facilities, that, you know, that like, like driveline and, and top velocity, all these, these facilities around the country where it's just this constant back and forth about how baseball is now, how much better it is, how much smarter we are now, as opposed to, you know, this generation. I noticed that a lot. Do you ever do you ever notice that, or, or you know, is that something that obviously for you it's pretty obvious? I mean, because you're one of the best in the game, you have an amazing balance of that, and you you appreciate the new way, and obviously, and you have a lot of old school things about you. But do you ever notice that, or do you ever come across someone who's never played giving you good information, or it's like you don't know what you're talking about, or, or any any of that? Yeah, yeah, those make for some good colorful conversations there in the clubhouse sometimes with the video guys and, and uh, you know, we call them the toilet birds and nerds upstairs that are trying to tell you how to play baseball and yet they've never stepped on the, on the field before. Yeah. Um, but I, I, I think you got to take everything uh, with a grain of salt. Um, so the way I see it, it you know, the, the nerds are sitting, you know, I'll just say that, they, they get a chuckle out of it too when we call them nerds because they, lo they love it because they, they know how <laughs> People. Uh, but if you listen to them and you can give them information, you tell the nerds what to do, yeah. like, hey, th these are the situations I'm looking for. What, what's going on in these situations? They come back to you with pretty good answers most yeah. of the time. So gotcha. you gotta, I, I think the, the, the thing of how to deal to really, you know, how I work with them is really give them good questions. You know, mm -hmm. like, hey, th what's going on in these situations? Come back to me with what you see. And a lot of times, you know, the, the baseball, you know, old school baseball, they'll use their eyes and their feel, and that's great. That's one thing. Yeah. And nerds come back basically with, to me with a derivative of the game, the derivative of the numbers that you're achieving, and, and they're able to build out models, pretty, pretty darn good models most yeah. of the time, uh, to be able to explain a lot of different things. And so you try to weigh on your knowledge of baseball, you know, the, all the minutiae things that go into, you know, every pitch selection, the execution to what you know it's going to go happen. Uh, versus, you know, kind of the macro, you know, thinking that that goes on in the in the uh, front offices, and so you try to find a way to balance that and, and try to come up with a blend of it, uh, so that you know, do you feel like for me, I want to be balanced between both of them and never have one, you know, be the yeah. leader of the other. Do you ever have any young players that are just way too caught up, or just you know, basically too caught up in in analytics, like like they'll throw a pitch. You know, in two seconds, because I've seen them out, throw a pitch, boom, look at that, look at that iPad screen if they've got a rap solo there and go, you know, as opposed to just, hey, man, how did that feel? Or, or, or what was happening when that ball came out of your hand? Do you, do you ever come across young players? Again? I, ha I haven't, I haven't, yeah, I haven't, I haven't had where they're sitting, they're literally just looking at the screen after every single pitch. Um, but I did see that, like, to me, that's, that's the mistake. Uh, throwing a pitch, look at a screen, throw a pitch, look at, like, you, that's not, that's not how it goes in the game. You know, if you're in a game, you don't throw a pitch, look at a screen. Um, you know, you're, when you're in the game, like, you're executing pitches and you got to be able to process that time, you know, that in-between pitch time of, hey, what happened? Where are my cues to get back on track? You know, where do I want to drive this next pitch? Yeah. You know, and how I'm, you know, you know, moving between the sequences between, you know, you know fastballs and all-speed pitches. And so um, that's where I think, you know, try to 
avoid looking at every single you know data point in lot in live and try to just use it afterwards like how, how does it look afterwards and, and when you're pitching just stay in the field of it yeah. and just know how you want to execute hey speaking of that and you've probably answered this a million times but you throw your bullpens in full uni <laughs> yeah what, what why is that when did that start why do you do that so the only, there's only one reason for this. Uh, Majestic, when they were making uniforms, they used to make BP tops. Um, and they had like kind of like the mesh BB tops. And so that's what I always threw my uh, bullpens in, was uh, these BB tops. They're real comfortable. Um, and then uh, Majestic stopped making those BB tops. And so like I had nothing to, I had no, like I, there wasn't a jersey or anything. I'm like, like I really did not want to throw in, full, in, in a jersey. And so I tried to throw one in just like a dry fit. And I didn't like how I felt in a dry fit. Didn't like, I need, like, I need, I need like a, you know, the weight of a Jersey or something like on, I, I feel more comfortable like that when I'm on the mound. Yeah. So it just naturally evolves to just throwing in a Jersey. So it's not that I'm trying to simulate anything that's going on in the game. It's just gotcha. simply because Majestic doesn't make a BP top. <laughs> so it's not something where like, if it's, you know, middle of summer and you're hot and you want to feel like, okay. No. No. Okay. Because I've heard different theories, man. It's so funny. Like, I'll flick on, you know, like MLB Network or something like that. And, and there's always these little theories. I'm like, man, like, you know, it's like, I really want to text and find out. Because I remember, like, Roger Clemens, you know, in spring training, he used to, like, run poles before he starts. He could sort of emulate the, the fourth, fifth, sixth, seventh inning, you know, and, and be, you know, slammed while he went out there. So I was curious. Okay. That's interesting. Yeah. Because anytime I throw a bullpen, I wanted to have like a jersey on. Like it just, yeah. It, you know, mm -hmm. that, that, that's interesting. Yeah. So, okay. So going into, when you go into an offseason, right now you're in Florida, right? Correct. Are you there because, you know, you've, you've been around different teams. You're 36 years old now. Is this is this where you're looking to end up, like end up and raise a family, you and Erica, and, and or is or is you, are you what, why why Florida right now? Um, honestly, because uh, you know the Nats spring train down here in Jupiter, we really grew to like the area, uh, and you know this is where we actually spent time down in the COVID shutdown that we were spending time down here, yeah. and during the shutdown we we're like, man, we we actually kind of really like Florida and the water and, and being down here and, and our girls, um, they're three and one basically. Uh, you know, they really enjoyed being outside and, and getting on the water. And so uh, that's when we just decided to buy a house down here and just make this kind of our home. Uh, you know, whether it was going to be here or Arizona, we knew it was going to be one of those two places because of warm weather. Yeah. Um, you know, end up being here. And, and that's just kind of, that's the story to that. There's, no, there's nothing else really to it. <laughs> right. Okay. Yeah. So it was, okay. Because I, I have to ask, man, you've been with, you know, you've been with the D-backs, the, the, the Tigers and, and now, you know, D.C. And, it's one of these things everyone's like, oh, he's just got a boatload of money. He could just live wherever he wants. But it's, it's a tough decision because you got, it's not like you, you know, you're not in your hometown and your wife, she's not from your hometown either. So it's mm. one of these things you got to balance where your kids are going to, um, where you're going to raise your kids, are you around family, all these little things. Was it, were you guys for a few years there saying to yourselves, oh, we really like this area or, or this area, or you just boom, kind of had an idea of where you wanted to be? No, I'm a baseball dude. You just never know where you're going to be. <laughs> yeah. I'm just lucky that I had a seven-year contract. Yeah. So I actually knew for seven years basically where I was going to be. Um, so, um, yeah, you, I mean, I thought I was going to be back to Arizona. Uh, you know, it, I guess that just kind of changed. And, yeah, like you got to start thinking – like for me, I got to start thinking of here in a few years, like kids are going to be going to school. So where are you going to want to be in the off season? Well, I got to be somewhere warm. You know, it just kind of, you know, falls into place where – you, know, you start thinking thinking about things like that, so you got to be in one spot. So that's how we moved to Florida. Did you did you enjoy the time off? 
during like the COVID break where you could actually have like a part of summer, I guess, where you didn't have to be at the field every single day? No, I hate it. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, because like, yeah, you get to be having the summertime, but you can't do anything. I mean, you're just locked away. So, um, yeah, I wasn't, there, there wasn't too much fun that was going on during that uh, shutdown. Because <laughs> I feel like, the, I've honestly felt like more players would come out and be like, yeah, I'm, I'm going to opt out of this year. Primarily because they're like, man, I'm actually spending the summer with my family right now, and I'm, you know, you know that that's. I mean, there was a couple of guys who, who who decided not to play, and for whatever reason. But I thought for sure, I was like, man, you know, some of these guys, this is the first chance they've had for years to be to have a basically a summer, like where they're not doing anything during summer, right? Yeah, I mean, I think everybody enjoyed that that aspect of you know feeling like you had a summer. But I only think you need about three or four weeks of that before you're ready to, like, no, it's summer. We play baseball. I mean, this is what you do. I've done my whole life. Every summer I played baseball. So, um, you know, when you didn't have baseball, uh, you know, that's what felt weird. Uh, it was not being able to play. So, don't, don't get me wrong. There was times where I definitely enjoyed it and maybe enjoyed it a little bit too much, uh, being able to relax. But, um, you know, for me, I, I was, uh, you know, also neck deep into the union discussions as well. Uh, trying to try and get the game back on track uh, to make sure we get back out there as soon as possible. Yeah, so I wanted, and that's what I wanted to ask you about during that time. So, what's your involvement with the players' union? Like, how 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 like how involved are you with that? Because I know as a player, obviously you have the option to be involved. Usually, it's for older guys or more established players. How involved were you with with all, with all those discussions? Yeah, um, I've gotten more and more involved with the union uh, as I've gone deeper in my career, uh, and just. I feel like I have the experience of understanding what it's like to be, you know, a young guy to a guy going through ARB to a guy who's going through free agency and have a good perspective of, you know, the value of what you know, each each level has and what that means and try to represent everybody and keep that, um, you know, thought first and foremost for representing the players and being fortunate enough to be on the subcommittee. So, um, you know, in, in the shutdown, it was really trying to make sure that we understand, one, what the science was about COVID and trying to understand if we could even do this. Uh, and then two, once we, you know, kind of answered some of these scientific questions that, no, you, you can play baseball, we're going to be okay. Yeah, we got, you know, we got to jump through some hoops here. Uh, but, you know, like, keep a smile on your face, jump through these hoops, and we can play as many games as possible. And so... Yeah, and you're, you're talking, basically, when you're talking to the players, you're, you're, yeah, gotcha, right? Yeah, I mean, trying to relay what's being discussed, you know, from the, the high, high up, you know, union calls all the way down to, you know, having calls with players across the league, uh, you know, some of the veterans that you know, I'm good friends with across the league to make sure all the players across the teams are thinking well, and then having conversations specifically with the Nats and relaying the messages that's coming from the union down yeah. to the Nats, you know, and really having, you know, those, you know, you know, highly detailed calls with those guys to make sure that everybody felt comfortable and understand, Hey, you know, this is what, this is what's being told to me. So I can tell it to you guys to know that, you know, you know, we, we can go forward and really try to assure everybody's uh, you know, fears at that point in time of, you know, what questions I had that I needed to go back up to the union with. And so, yeah, I was, that, that was probably the hardest part of the shutdown was honestly um, dealing with all the union stuff because there were yeah. so many people that uh, we had to be in contact with. There were so many questions, um, so many answers that uh, had to be done in, in such a short time. And so, yeah, we bur- I burned through some phone lines talking to a lot of guys. <laughs> were you doing this? Zoom? Were you Zooming a lot? <laughs> Yeah, we were doing Zoom calls and then uh, from Zoom calls, getting on calls with other guys across the league, trying to get everybody's viewpoints and uh, try to understand and get everybody on the same page, how uh, they're thinking, how I'm thinking, and make sure that, um, you know, really trying to do the best we can to stay out of the media, but 
yeah. you know, that became a sideshow in its own. Yes. And just trying to make sure we, you know, we were functioning as best we could as one. Um, I, th I think the crazy thing we figured out was that within five minutes, you can talk to anybody, any player in the league. Yeah. <laughs> you can get somebody's number from somebody and talk to him and figure out what's going on. What do you feel like? Do you feel like MLB? Do you feel like that's the best they could have done? 60 games, or do you feel like they could, they could have played more games that, that this could have been resolved faster to get you guys on the field faster? Um, absolutely. Um, there, there's no excuse for me why we didn't play July 4th. Um, we should, I mean, we, we, we demonstrated that we obviously we can do this. We, we got into the playoffs. Uh, we understood that the playoffs might need to be in a bowl situation, but, uh, you know, understand where the science was. You know, I, when this first got shut down in April, you know, there was so much unknown. Uh, you know, we didn't know exactly what it was going to take to get back onto the field. And I think, I mean, the whole world was waiting for, you know, to try to understand, you know, what's, what can and can't you do? And so as, you know, April, May, you know, kind of would turn about and understand science and really try to understand the testing aspect. Um, you know, there's two things I really got good at was one, understanding lawyer talk. And then two, understanding, <laughs> understanding epi, epi, I can't even say it right, epidemiologist, whatever. <laughs> Trying to understand what testing is, understanding what a PCR test is, a rapid test, you know, understanding the science on, um, you know, how, how those tests are working so that uh, once you start understanding there's a little lag in testing and what, what protocols you have to, to wow. bring to place to account for the testing. Um, you know, we kind of started having a feel for that, um, you know, as, you know, sometime in May of what, what this was going to look like. And so, I, you know, for me, I, I thought that there was full well we could be getting going by the end of June, if not July 4th. And so okay. I thought it was going to be perfect for, perfect for everybody to start playing baseball on July 4th. But unfortunately, that didn't happen. Yeah, yeah. And what, I mean, what was the whole up? Do you, what was the primary reason for why this didn't kick off when it did? Do you feel like? You're, you're going to have to ask MLB that. Yeah, okay. I mean, it, I was in on those talks. I, I think there's more things going on behind the scenes as we speak. Yeah. So there's things yeah. I just that's crazy because you know people ask me who i'm like look who really who really knows like it, what what it was which was stalling this out so you said so basically you said you could contact any player basically within five minutes in so did you feel like you made some buddies around the league with, with all this um you know you get you got to, to see kind of people's viewpoints of how they handled this and you know the kind of people who are on the extremes about you know <laughs> <laughs> on the extremes about this issue, who were in the middle, who was thinking private. Wow. And, um, you know, just trying to understand, uh, you know, best way forward, you know, trying to understand uh, what's it going to take to get to play baseball again in 2020 and you know, what the desires were for everybody. And so, um, you know, it is as, as stressful as it was, it, I think it was also a really good thing for us to, to navigate a challenge like that. That's unlike anything that's ever happened in, yeah. in sports and life, really, for any of us. Um, because we also have the CBA coming up after next year. So yeah. that's going to be a whole other animal as well. So I, really, I feel good about how the players handled, you know, COVID as a, as a whole and yeah. seeing how guys could get on the same page and, and kind of move forwards because I know we have a huge challenge in front of us here in the year. So much as we, you know, put out one fire, I know another fire is coming. Yeah, it's funny. Like you mentioned, you know, all the different viewpoints. I mean, baseball is such a melting pot of different backgrounds. Like, I remember when I first came over to U. I'm coming from Australia, and I come over. I'm 18. I'm like, who are these people, man? Like, you know, just all from you know different people, just different backgrounds. All I couldn't imagine when it came to something like this, which it is political, really. It mm -hmm. comes down to that, and and 
you know, you don't know what to believe when, when you, you know, flick on the, on, you know, the news or whatever it may be. I couldn't imagine some of the opinions or the, the just the polar, the, the opposites. I couldn't yeah. imagine that. Yep. Uh, but I, I mean, that's what makes baseball great is that we do have that type of diversity. <laughs> we got people in Australia, you got, you know, Latin America, you, 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 yeah. Asian, you know, all the different states, everybody, different colors, shapes, sizes, you name it. And, you know, have everybody's type of thinking kind of get into one yeah. uh, and have those kind of conversations, I think is what makes baseball great um, is, is having such a you know variety of viewpoints. Um, it's, it's then trying to find, you know, kind of where that silent majority is of, Hey, what's resonating with most of the yeah. players? You know, what 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 seem what chords seem to be struck that seems to get everybody on the same page? And I think when you can strike those yeah. those chords, then everybody seems to gravitate. Yeah, everybody's going to be on the extremes. They're always going to be on the extremes, and try to you know let those guys you know fizzle out, but and just let the silent majority rule. Yeah, yeah, there is there is. Uh, it's funny, like those union meetings, man. They're hardcore. Like in spring training, they come talk for like an hour and a half, two hours. You're like, man, like I don't, I'm not speaking up here. <laughs> like, you know, as a young player. Hey, speaking of that, the, the game now, 2020, obviously, take COVID out of it. But the game now, the way it is, obviously, pitching is pitching's way different than what it was. You came up in 2008. Um, you know, it's the way, you know, the, the dynamic of starting pitching and bullpens and everything else. And the way, you know, with shifts and the way non-baseball or people who have never played at the highest level are now coaching, whatever it may be. Do you feel like the game is better now than what it was five, ten years ago? Um, I mean, yes, it's clearly evolved um, since, you know, I broke in since 2008, just to, you know, like the shift. I mean, that, there's an analytical thing that, you know, you know, the war between the new school and the old school, and guess what? The new school won. Yeah. They've proven over time that you can take hits away and really affect outcomes of games by shifting guys. And so that's gradually ground, you know, taking, taking its course amongst the game. Um, and to me, I, I find it hilarious because everybody starts getting mad to shift. <laughs> here we are, we're works most against is left hand hitters. And the one time left handers have such an advantage in this game left hand pitching, left hand hitting, yeah. left hand hitters. The one time we finally figure out something to take something away from left hand hitters, we all throw up our hands and say, yeah. hands. <laughs> Right. So, um, you know, I, I just think it's, I think it's, it's cool to watch how the game, the game continues to evolve. I mean, Go back to the history of the game. I mean, look at how the game was played in the 40s and 50s. It's a way better than, you know, today is way better than it was then. And it continued to evolve in you know, the 60s, the 70s, the 80s. And, and every kind of decade, it just came, continues to keep pressing forward in terms of, you know, the talent level uh, across the game. And so, for me, that's, that's what's exciting is to continue to be a part of the game and, and continue to grow with it and continue to get better with it. Do you miss anything, like, from the – or is there any little element that you're like, oh, man, I kind of wish this – yeah, for, for me, like, uh, I feel like there's some of the human element taken out in a sense. Like, and especially when you're talking about, okay, even, I don't know how you feel. I, I like the fact that the National League, the pitchers have to hit for themselves. I, I think it's great. It just, it, there's just a contrast in, in, in strategy and, and not, not that I like watching, I like watching pitchers who can hit. I love it. It's great. And they're tough to pitch to because it's kind of like a, it's a lose-lose situation, really. Because if you walk and you're like, oh, man, I just walk the friggin' pitcher. Or if you, you know, if you punch man, no one cares. But it, I just, I like the, I, I kind of like the human element. Even, okay, I, I get it. Umpires are under so much pressure right now. And I feel like they're tightening up and, and the technology is kind of showing that, you know, they're missing calls more often or whatever it may be. But I feel like we are losing a little bit of that human element. But is there, is there anything that you 
hope that stays in this game as we move forward? Because it's, it's really starting to change. Is there, is there anything that you, want, you, you miss or you want to hold on to? Yeah, I mean, I think there are things about the um, kind of, I don't want to call it old school, but like, you know, like the hit and run. I think that's a great part of the game that you just don't see anymore. You know, stolen bases you don't see anymore. Um, or at least that's just, a big one. Stolen bases, man. I just love yeah, when guys run. Like those, those are just fun to, you know, when you're for fans to be able to watch a game, you just don't quite see those at the same rate anymore. Um, and so, yeah, there's, there's things about that that you want to see. Um, uh, you talked about the, you know, the National League and American League. And so, you know, yeah, I, I love it. As a National League guy, I love to hit. I mean, I feel like it, you know, I love getting in the cage, love having to work at it. Uh, it puts completely set, different set of physical demands on you, uh, which you have to be able to train for to be ready for in the National League. And so, um, yeah, it's hard to pitch in the AL, but it's, it's, it's hard to be a, a starting pitcher in the NL. So you kind of, you kind of embrace those, uh, embrace both of those, both of those challenges. And so, um, you know, that's where you try to think about how the, how's the game going to move forward with that? You know, is the DH here to stay, you know, after seeing 2020, do you miss starting pitchers hit? Um, to me, how I see this is that, you know, one set of rules would benefit the game in a good way because then they could really uh, allow for some realignment, mm -hmm. which could create some new opportunities for the game and for the fans to be able to watch a game and see matchups played that you know that we, we haven't really ever seen. And so, um, you know, I'd be in favor, favor of say, saying, hey, let's move to the DH if we can have that realignment. Otherwise, you know, I, or we got to think re reinvent the game in a way that is there a way to have a DH and a starting pitcher hit? Because I, I'm, I'm, I agree with you. Starting pitchers should have to hit yeah. you know, because of, See, you know, for, force pitchers to be athletes, you know, force us, you know, force us to be uh, in the cage getting it done. So there's so many cool things about baseball that we could do uh, going forward. And it'll be interesting to see, you know, kind of what the masses want. Yeah, yeah, no, it's, it's interesting. Hey, and just, just back to you, right? So when you, when the D-backs made that big trade, right, to send you off, there's a, it was a three-team trade, right? It was the Yankees sure. and uh, who was the other, I can't even remember the other team. Tigers, I went to the Tigers. Yeah, you went to the yeah. So is, is, that's right. Yeah, sorry. Yeah, D-backs. No, <laughs> yeah, sorry, D-backs Tigers. Yeah, I was, I was trying yeah. to remember who you got traded for. Who was involved in that trade? There was uh, Edwin Jackson. Yep, Ian Kennedy. Uh, no, Austin Jackson. Yeah, Austin Jackson. Uh, Ian Kennedy. Um, Phil Coke. That's right. Man, Phil Coke. That's huge. Phil Coke. Austin Jackson. Daniel Slurth and me went all to the Tigers. The Yankees got Granderson, I think. That's the, right, Granderson. The comeback guy, um, Ian Kenyon, and Edwin Jackson, yeah. That was massive. When, when the D-backs traded you away, some of the comments about you were, um, you know, because your mechanics that you're eventually going to break down. Do you, does that feed you at all? Like, do you hear that stuff and, and think, all right, I'm going to prove you wrong? Or you're just like, eh. No, I think you listen to it. I mean, I, I did. I listened to it and try to say, "Hey, what are you talking about? What 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 are my mechanics that are you know high risk?" And yeah. when I heard the criticism, you know, I really looked at myself like, "What is high risk?" And everything that they were, you know, for me, what I heard was that I had a head snap. Well, I don't see how that's a mechanical high risk. So I'm not going to change uh, yeah. because that it's not normal. I, I actually think quite the opposite. I think the head snap for me actually. Now, now we actually have a little thing to it. I think that helped gave me spin rate before spin rate was even there. Right. And we were talking about it. And so I feel like that helped my fastball was really getting through the fastball. So, um, you know, you, you have to 
you know, you got, like I said, no one, no one's 100% right. So you do have to listen to your critics and, and people who uh, look at you in a different way that might not view you in the same light. And you have to be able to accept, you know, sometimes what, you know, people have to say about you. And, and, and sometimes they're right. And other times you have to be able to hear the criticism and say, no, you're wrong. But for me, I don't like getting into the world where I'm trying to prove you wrong. I feel like that's the wrong way to look at life and the wrong way to try to play baseball. Because if you try to prove somebody wrong, what are you playing for? Like, isn't it more fun to win with your teammates? Isn't right. it more fun to win and, and have the guys on, on, your, on, your, on your side celebrating with? And so for me, that's what I play the game for is be, uh, you know, be a part of a winning team and just let the naysayers, you know, be by, be by the wayside. When you first when you first won the Tigers early on in your career, though, did you have some of that where because you're still trying to prove yourself, establish yourself, did you still have some of that where it's like oh, I'm just going to prove you, you know, prove you wrong? Or on the flip side, was there ever that man they might have a point here, maybe I have to clean my mechanics up? Like, did did that doubt ever set in? Um, no, we're so I mean the good the stories I can tell about Detroit getting traded over was um, when I got traded over. Um, I'd gotten into a bad mechanical funk. And so when I first got traded over there, um, you know, you know, was looking to, you know, get running off onto the ground, everything on the right foot. And it was actually just the opposite. It couldn't have been any worse, really. Um, I mean, open up, you know, not throwing hard, you know, and really had bad results. And I went to, went to the minor, you know, I got the option down to the minors. And, and right before I got, right when I was getting an option down, I kind of figured out what I was doing wrong mechanically. Hey, I got to change this up. You know, I got out of whack, uh, and uh, when I came back, I kind of really ran the table in 2010 there um, once I came back to the majors and really pitched well. And um, for me, I really – I remember the feeling of, hey, I made it. You know, I had this feeling I made it in the major leagues. You know, and it's a great feeling when you feel like you made it in the major leagues. And, and I didn't work any, you know, less hard or anything. Uh, you know, I still feel like I did my normal all program, but I came into 2011, like – Hey, I'm in a major leagues. Here we go. Like, let's just, you can just show up and roll out. Um, you know, because I've worked hard and I have, you know, three pitches and I feel like I'm a pretty good pitcher. Yeah. And that ended up being my worst year of my career. It was right. 2011 because I didn't come back hungry enough to get better. Um, and I got, I got punished in 2011. And, you know, I was a losing pitcher there in game six in the ALCS. So talk about being in the worst spot possible. Yeah. Um, you know, when you, when you lose, not only when you have a bad season, when you lose in a postseason, then you really feel guilty amongst your teammates. So maybe you weren't doing something correct. And so um, from that point forward, I've always gone into every single offseason looking to get better. Uh, I got to do something to get better. I got to grow. Uh, I'm not going to stay stagnant. I'm, I'm, I'm going to find a way to push myself to be a better pitcher. And I've had that mentality ever since uh, that offseason. So, okay. So even after you, you win a Cy Young Award, you, you're the best pitcher in the game. You go in and you still, not that you're finding things that are wrong, but basically you still go in with this objective that next year this has to be better or this year I have to improve on. Like, can you, after you, when you last saw Award, for example, into that, going into that offseason, was there anything specific that you said, I have to clean this up or whatever it may be? Yeah, there's, I mean, every year, every single offseason, uh, I've always tried to identify things and continue to improve upon um, to sharpen up, be more consistent with. Um, try to execute things in a little bit different way. Try to execute a, a game plan in a little in a little bit different way, um, and that that has never stopped. I feel like that's uh, you know you got to have that growth mentality about yourself. Um, otherwise, these kids are going to figure you out and beat you apart. And I've seen it happen uh, across the league so many different times. And so uh, for me, it's about 
you know, what can I do to my body? How can I be, make myself stronger? You know, what, what, what do I need to do physically to allow myself to be able to go out there uh, and be consistent? And then what do I need to do with my pitches? What do I need to do, uh, you know, to make sure, you know, all the, all the pitches, the curveball, the cutter, the changeup, everything plays uh, at a higher level. Uh, and a lot of times you find yourself taking two, you know, two steps forward, one step back. You, know, you might, might knock down two things, but then one thing, you know, becomes a problem. And so, I mean, that's the constant challenge you're, you're I feel like I'm constantly facing is that I might be getting better in one area and then one area is lacking. And so it's a constant, you know, battle for me to continually to, um, you know, moving forward to, to kind of sure up every, every pitch. And so, okay, here's one for you. And, and I'll let you go here in a second. I've kept you way too long here, but if you've got, let's say I'm 16, every 16 year old kid out there, whether in the U S Australia, they want to know when Max Scherzer has an off season coming up, like what, what are some of the big things in your off season that are a must when you're talking about to, especially now, cause you, I mean, you're 36. So you're going into that, you know, 30, 35 to 40 range where the whole world tells you that you start to deteriorate physically and everything else. And I feel like, you know, just from chatting to you for the last 40 minutes or so, your mindset's like, yeah, I'm not that that's for everyone else, not me. But it, this, in your stage in your career now, obviously you have some other challenges but let's say you've got a 16-year-old kid and they're just dying because I know they're probably even sitting here listening to this waiting to, to figure out what are some of the, the main, the big things these kids, if they're 16, 17, obviously they're in a different window to you, that you would say, hey, these are so important. Make sure you do these. Um, I would think, I mean, first and foremost is making sure you clean up your, clean up your, your mechanics. You've got to be healthy. Durability is more important than ability. And so you got to make sure that you, you're in good positions um, and, and, and safe and healthy positions as you, as you deliver the baseball. Um, and I think we've seen kind of the new kind of arm actions coming into the game and, and seeing how these kids throw the ball, that they're doing a pretty good job of doing that. Um, but I'd say that's the first and foremost thing. And then two is, look, you got to work your butt off. Like get, get, you know, when you're 16, you're just now probably getting in, into the game. Uh, now you're playing baseball and you're practicing and, that, and you're, now you're starting to, you know, training for it. Now you're starting to, hey, now I'm starting to, you know, touch the weight room a little bit. And you don't have to go in there and do just crazy lists if, because if you've got to slowly build into this. You've got to slowly add, you know, weight training to your program. And so, you know, when you're 16, it's now becoming, okay, if you're taking baseball more seriously now, what, how much more can you take and still be healthy with it? And so that's a challenge. Everybody, you know, it's individual for everybody. It, it, you can't just make a blanket, blanket statement. Uh, it's what you, every individual has to assess about themselves is, all right, what can I do more? You know, what can I do to continue to, you know, be a better pitcher? You know, is it learning a new pitch? Is it, you know, getting more strength? Everybody can answer that in their own way. Right. Yeah, no, it's, it's interesting. I mean, everyone just, there's, you know, there's every pitching guru out there and there's these magic pills and everything else. Do you use weighted baseballs? Uh, I do not. Yeah. Okay. Do you have any opinion on that, or that's just per, per, personal preference? Do you talk to guys who use them? Um, I, I haven't really talked to it because for me, I, I, in the off season, I like the long toss. Uh, yeah. You know, for me, it's long toss, and then from like January fifteenth to about February fifth, you know, somewhere let's call it that range. Yeah. Uh, you know, that's where I'm really long tossing. I really want to stretch the arm out, and for me, when I long toss, that's what gets my arm going. Yeah. And that's when. In, I really start, um, you know, really getting my arm built up underneath me. And I feel like that, that a long toss for me, it's worked my whole career. And I mean, I can keep continuing to do it. I'm not going to 
you know, touching a weighted ball, I'm sure that might work for somebody yeah. and I'm sure the science works, but you know, that's just something I'm, you know, I feel like there's risk in that for me if I were to start trying to do that now. So, um, you know, there's probably smarter people than me that would understand it better that uh, you know, you'd be able to talk to but um, you know, for me, I'm, I'm just going to continue the long toss. It's so common now, man. It's crazy. Cause, I mean, I, I did some weighted balls. I had to get my, when I went to try, I had to get back to the big legs. I had to do something to get that velo off. I just wasn't getting it. And I used them and they were great. But that was obviously in a different, you know, time for me, like just trying to, you know, manipulate as much as I can. And, and I like them, but it's amazing. You know, when you're talking about kids, especially, or whoever, they're just like, boom, wait a ball set. I'm just going to do them and throw gas. It's like, uh, it's not quite how it works. But that, I, I was just curious asking you about that, you know, with, with the way the ball. One, one other thing too, just when you were a kid, now you've got that low three-quarter arm slot. Did you ever have mm -hmm. pitching coaches? Did you always have that arm slot? Yeah. Um, to me, uh, we all have really the kind of same arm slot. It's just what your shoulder tilt is. Right. Okay. At release point. So, if you're climbing out, you're going to have a high, you know, high release point. But if you, for me, I like to keep my shoulders flat and come forward with them. And so my, my hand, everybody's hand is a little bit higher than the shoreline and, and kind of in line with their head. It just looks mine's like my three quarter because my shoulders are tilted down. Right. Gotcha. Did you, did you ever have coaches or anything say, hey, yeah, get your arm up from, a, from the dugout or, or nothing like that? Uh, no, I never, no, I've never dealt with that. I hear that all the time, man. It's like, oh, get, you know, get your hand, get your hand up. And I'm, you know, if I'm working with a kid or something, I'm like, the last thing I want to mess with is that slot. Let's figure out what the body's doing first, and then then, then we'll Correct. work into that. But no, I, I had to ask that. But um, anyway, Max, man, this has been fun, dude. I, I appreciate you, you you coming on and uh, and talking it over. But um, yeah, I'll let you go. I've kept you already for an hour now, so I know you're, you're, you're a busy, dude. Yeah, that was good. Yeah, man, get back to the beach. <laughs> we'll do. All right. Hey guys, hope you enjoyed that conversation with Max Scherzer. I had a blast. We have got some serious guests coming up in season two. So make sure you subscribe. Go to Apple, Spotify, Google Play, wherever you get your podcasts, or go to www.thetopstep.com if you want to see season one episodes. We're going to have major league pitchers guys who just got done with the playoffs we've got the yankees mental skills coach pitching coaches you name it it's going to be a good season here on the top step thanks for listening and we'll catch you next time right here on the top step killing them killing them killing them killing them killing them